Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know? Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you're on your way to say. <laughs> Like I just said, you've been a road dog lately. Yeah. Living that fight, living that fight dream. It's fun, man. I like those trips a lot. They are fun, hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah especially when you're the coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot less stressful. You're not weight cutting. You don't have like quite as much anxiety as a fighter. But um, yeah, I'll get into it a little bit. A lot of fun. Um, Kurt and I had like a funny little experience the first night though. Like apparently there was like a really, um, a really big hockey tournament in Lethbridge. <clears throat> And so when we booked the hotels, like so many of them were taken. So mm -hmm. Kurt and I ended up like Chris stayed in like a nicer hotel, like the Ramada. Him and his Dustin, uh, him and his Dustin, <laughs> his brother Dustin. And then Kurt and I, we got booked in with like what's called the Super Lodge. And I kind of laugh right when Kurt said that. I'm like, anything with super in front of it usually sucks ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if you know in Saskatoon on a. 33rd and Idlewild there's like a th that shitty bar but it says like super don't air yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. that crummy shady ass bar where they like clearly drug deals and prostitution is going yeah. on yeah but yeah I'm like anything with super is not good so anyway we show up there and lo and behold it's just a dump oh, like it, it's like it was like left bridges like crack house where like people it seemed like they were permanently living there on gov government assistance and like we walk in and yeah, we see like mouse traps everywhere, which is whatever. And you know how like at a hotel, usually the hostess is like, if you need anything, like let us know. Instead, she said, if anything happens, just come see me. <laughs> and I was like, Kurt and I were like, oh, we don't, like, why would you say that? Interesting choice of words. Yeah. It's almost like, hey, if anything bad happens, just like, you know, call us. Yeah. Because it's probably going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, so we kind of like laugh and we, we go up to like our room and yeah, sure enough, it's just like, we just didn't even want to touch anything, man. It was like one of those rooms where you I put like, a black light in those rooms oh, and you just see spots everywhere. And not even just like cum spots, but like blood, like I, I we were scared of bed bugs. Yeah. Like we didn't even take our um, socks off. Mm. We didn't want to take our shoes off. That's nasty. Bro, Kurt didn't even brush his teeth using the water from the tap. He used his water bottle. That's how gross it was. We didn't even shower in this room. Why didn't you guys just go into another hotel? It was all booked, bro. Really? Like he checked every hotel. And Damn. so he's like, he was messaging people like, why is that? Like, why is it so busy here? But apparently, yeah, there was like a really big hockey tournament. So anyway, we like, we kind of like unpack our shit. We go see like Chris and Dustin. And then we go back to the hotel room. And as we're walking up, we have to walk to room 290 and right in front of it is room 289. And there's a guy like kind of getting into his room and he looks super shady. As Kurt and I are walking up to our room, we have to pass this guy, but I think he thought that we were coming there for drugs or something. So he, he looks at us like assuming that we're maybe we're there for drugs. Doesn't say a word of English. He kind of just mumbles cause he's a junkie and he's like, and he's kind of pointing to go into his room. Like he opened his door and was like, do you guys want some shit? <laughs> and like Kurt kind of looked at him and then looked at me and started smiling. And he just like shook his head at the what guy. Got? Like, he's like, no, like we're, we're right here. And the guy's like, oh, oh, yeah. And then he just kind of shut his door. And I'm like, man, we got to get out of here. Wow. But yeah, we slept the one night there and we heard someone <laughs> knock on our door late at night. 
and probably just to like, I don't know, maybe offer drugs or stab us. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. We just didn't answer the door. Yeah. We just like stayed there. But we made the joke. We're like, man, I'm like, I'm not taking my clothes off tonight. Like I'm sleeping over the sheets. I don't want to touch the pillows. Yeah. So I slept in my sweatpants and a hoodie. But I wake up and Nick, Kurt, same thing. Like we were, we were both a man of our word because I woke up and I look at Kurt and he's like a pencil, stiff as a board, sweater and sweatpants on still, using his other hoodie as a pillow. Mm. <laughs> he's just like, I was just laughing. I'm like, what a dump. That's nasty. So yeah, we had to rebook and got like a different room, which is nice. Can I give you a quick story and then we'll continue yeah. on from there? Yeah. So, you know my buddy Justin, um, he's that kind of guy where when he's getting the wrong vibe, he's like, I'm out of here. Um, I was telling, I think I might've mentioned on here one time he was getting acupuncture done and partway through, like once the acupuncture dude left the room with all these needles in him while he's laying in the bed, he's just like, no, this isn't for me. And he got up and he walked out into the main room with needles sticking out of his head. And yeah. He's just like, no, uh, this isn't for me. He probably looked like the Hellraiser, you know, that <laughs> yeah, movie yeah, where yeah. like, yeah, the devil's got like the spikes in yeah. his head. So anyways. Um, Justin comes to my parents' house once a year. He buys elk. We, ha- we make a weekend out of it. And um, a few years ago, we were supposed to go home on Sunday and um, there was a big snowstorm. So he was already like an hour away from my parents and the r- driving conditions were just terrible. So he ended up pulling over in, um, oh, it's going to bug me, not Quill Lake, um, Fort Quapel. Okay. And getting just a cheap motel because he was just sketched out to drive. He's got this trailer full of meat and um, it's just terrible. It's like black ice, blizzarding. So he checks into the hotel and then he kind of, same thing. He sees the type of people that are there. He just gets the wrong vibe and he just gets in his truck and he's like, fuck it, I'm going. And he just drives and he throws the key out like into the ditch on the highway as he's driving he doesn't even let anybody know the key like the key to get into the hotel yeah okay i was like why wouldn't you just return the key and say like i'm checking like i'm leaving but just his type of character he just gets in his truck drives away doesn't say anything throws the key like all right bro anyways for cool don't get a hotel room yeah man it's legit though like I, i in my head i'm like how can you even run a business like this bro like it seems like it seems like a government should or like somebody should step in and be like this isn't like this isn't healthy. This isn't safe. Yeah. Like you got to clean the carpets. Like it looks like fucking, you just haven't cleaned the carpets since 1970. Do they have a health inspector? You know how in restaurants yeah. somebody comes through and inspects? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they get like an annual inspector, but I just feel like they don't give a rat's ass. See, the thing is, as long as they can get away with it legally, there's a market for that. There's people sure. that want to pay 80 bucks for a night for a room. It was even 80 bucks. Sh- it was like 150 bucks. Really? Yeah. Like, Jeez. well, it's like, that's the thing It's if you're the only option, you just pay, like you just charge whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's like on a busy weekend where they know all the hotels are going to be booked. Maybe they just like crank up the price or something. Well, I know somebody recently who, um, they had eight months in advance. They had a booking in Arizona because there's some, I think it's called waste management. It's like a huge um, like professional golf tournament and people go to pretty much party hmm. and watch golf. So these clients of mine, they had eight months in advance booked $200 a night for their Airbnb. And a week before they leave to Arizona, the landlord or the Airbnb person called them and said, Hey, um, apparently the NFL team in Arizona made it to the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is actually in Arizona that weekend. So I'm canceling your reservations because I can get a thousand bucks a night because there's so many people. So these people are like, okay, we have however many, a couple thousand booked for this golf tournament. We have nowhere to stay. So they ended up just paying it. And they're like, it was the most expensive four days we've ever went on a trip. But 
that demand of when something's happening in a city, man. And it's tough to, yeah, it's like you can't blame people if you can make a thousand bucks a night or whatever. Like, can you really blame them? Like, it's kind of a shitty thing, but yeah. like, yeah. It's tough. Anyways, back to um, the story. Yeah, so um, we went out to Lethbridge because one of our uh, students at our gym, Chris Cooper, had his first uh, amateur kickboxing fight. So yeah, it was me, Kurt, uh, his brother, Dustin, older brother, Dustin, and then Chris, and we drove up there. And uh, man, it was it was fucking sweet. His fight was awesome. Yeah, fight of the night, I'd say. Yeah, it was probably between. I, I'd say it's between his fight and then the two young, these two young seventeen year olds. They had a pretty good fight too. Mm-hmm. But I think when you listen to the crowd and the overall like intensity mm-hmm. of it, That's I would, I think Chris Chris is fight one just because the last fifteen seconds. I think they stole fight of the night from the young guys of the fight. Last fifteen of the fight. Bro, yeah. You, you remember when um, Max, Max Holloway, Holloway <laughs> and not Almeida, um, uh, Ricardo Lima, or no. Um, Ricardo Almeida? No. No, no. Um, um, damn. You know what I'm talking about? Though? Yeah, I can He's see He's a good face. striker. But like Max Holloway points at the center of the octagon yeah. and they just start chucking. Yeah. I don't think Chris or the other guy pointed at the center of the ring, but they both, it was just both yeah, like, like right, let's bro. duck and chuck for 15 seconds. Damn. And man, the intensity. Like I remember feeling the crowd just roar and, wow. and like in the moment as I'm yelling at Chris through the cage, I could only picture like Layla barking at the foxes through the fence like aggressively. I felt like a wild animal just oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Really? like I couldn't even hear myself <laughs> talk. Yeah. It was just so loud in there and Damn. like yeah, it was a good good fight. Um, That's sweet, man. Yeah, the the one thing, yeah, it started off with like a glove touch and the, the cheeky little sidekick off the glove touch. <laughs> And sometimes the guy did to Chris. Yeah, yeah. He went out to touch gloves, and he kind of like elevated Chris's hand on the glove touch, and then sidekicked him and just swarmed him with like a fury. Damn. So he like he set the pace right away, and it was mm. like sometimes that can wow. shock your nervous system no a lot shit. and gas you. Yeah. So that was shitty. But then you, sometimes, like I think, like sometimes people don't think that way. Like I don't know if he intentionally meant to. It's like it's his first kind of amateur fight too. He had a smoker, but it's not like you're always that methodical in there. He might have just been like glove touch and just like start going. Yeah, he's in a fight. But yeah, yeah it's kind of like you're like, oh, you bastard. Yeah. Like, you know, um, that's a crazy thing in fighting. Eh? It's like setting the pace. It's like yeah, gaining that first momentum. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but it, you know, it was cool. Like. It, we've seen so many times like and i've had it in my own experience like a bit of a mismatch in your first fight or in, in a lot of fights like yeah. sometimes especially when it's you're both like first amateur fight you don't really know that much about the person you're kind of just like i hope this is an even fight yeah very even yeah like both these guys came to fight Damn. both were similar size yeah. both were landing big shots and i and i I can't explain it any other way than like a pendulum swinging the whole time. Mm. Chris would hit him and snap his head back and then back him up. Logan would hit him, then back him up. Chris would hit him, back him up. And it was literally just back and forth like this for the whole fight. So three two-minute rounds? Three two-minute rounds, okay. yeah. And it went Damn. to the decision. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Chris lost split decision. Could have went either way. Yeah. You know, I knew it was going to be really close. I th- yeah. we, we had Chris winning the first round. And then the second and third, it was just a toss up. It yeah. was close. The other guy was a hometown guy. Too. Hometown guy, yeah. and and like, I know Kurt mentioned this, but um, anytime you're going to like their home advantage, like they're like if we go to Lethbridge, yeah. and they have one of their guys, 
near the main event, that's usually because they have high hopes for that person. They think that person's really good, so they should be close to the main event. Mm, yeah. So Chris was the third last fight. Yeah. So that means that that guy, they had high hopes for him. That's this, good for an amateur kickboxing fight for on sure. an MMA card, right? Um, it was like, it was a mix. Okay. It was like a mix, all amateur. Oh, okay. It was all amateur. Okay. Um, but but again, still. still, like I think when you're when you have that guy at the back end of the card, it usually means that he doesn't suck. It's yeah. like they got high hopes for this yeah. guy. Apparently, that guy's dad, like the guy Chris fought, uh, Logan Olson. I guess his dad is like some kind of kickboxing champion somewhere, mm-hmm. some division. So that guy looked familiar. I don't know if I've just seen him in Lethbridge, but you know, seen the Wayne you know pictures? what he looked familiar to? Hmm. Everybody else in Lethbridge. Yeah, bro, we no, were like we were we were chocolate. <laughs> like man, it literally like I I saw. 10 different people that I thought was Chris's opponent. I'm like, oh, fucking, there's your guy. And then he's like, that's not my guy. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Oh, there's your guy. That's, that's, that's not my guy. You know what? They they all had a little mustache. They all had a little bit of a mullet. They all had a cap on, checkered shirt or like a jacket, uh, pants, and a lot of people had cowboy boots on. Really? They all looked the same. <laughs> the thick guys, the skinny guys, like there was 12 of them that walk past and we were, I was like, bro, look at all of them. Yeah. You all have mullets. You all have a mustache. You all look the same. Yeah. Yeah. Lethbridge, it's a little more like a little more country than like Saskatoon. eh? I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I got that vibe. Like they're, they're like, Logan seemed like a nice, like respectful guy, but yeah, just like you can't not chirp them when you all look the same. Yeah. Like it was hilarious. Man. A lot of fighters nowadays, especially fighters, they go for that mullet look, hey? They like it's that kind of in, eh? mullet with like a couple curls in the back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was a good, good fight, for Chris, man. Good and for Chris. Do you know what? Too. Um, so losing is really tough, but like the one thing that I that was cool to hear, like Chris lost, and I don't know, maybe like two hours later, maybe even less. Maybe it, I oh fuck, not even two hours later. He was in the change room getting his hands and his gloves like taken off and his hand wraps off. He was like. I'm already itching to get back in there. <laughs> so like when you take an L and then you're willing to get back in there, that shows that you're in a good state of mind. Like you're in a mindset of like, you want this, you want to like redeem yourself. You want to learn, you want to yeah. grow. Cause man, a lot of people, if you, if you signed up for your first fight and it was like a barn burner like that and you're getting blasted in the head, like he got head kick once, mm. like flushed to the chin and Chris just kind of tapped his chin and like had a little smile <laughs> on his face. He's a fighter. There's a couple times where he was like smirking and shit. Like it was a tough <clears throat> fight, but like he's, he's got a good mindset and, um, that just shows like a lot of heart and just where he's at as a martial artist. Like you're not, you're not shying away from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like it took me a while for like when I lost to Cody. I'm like, man, I don't know about this shit. Like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. But like, even after watching Chris fight again, like, oh, I got like a little fired up. I'm like, man, yeah. I want to get back in here. Yeah, there's so many different variables. Like, you could lose a fight and be itching to get back in, or you could lose one and be a little more defeated. You know? Yeah. You could, and sometimes rightfully so, man. Yeah. Fighting is fucking hard on yeah. the body, on the yeah. ego. Like, yeah. you lose a fight. Like, I understand when someone would be like, hey. I'm good. I got that experience done. Like yeah. I'm good. Like yeah. I'm not gonna. It's it, like, even if Chris said that, I'd be like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. But instead, he's like, I'm, I, I want to get back in. He's training today. Damn. He's back in the gym Damn. Monday. Yeah. So no injuries. Everything's good. Yeah. He's his right leg, uh, left leg is a little jacked up. He the guy threw a lot of low kicks. Mm. Typical PFA. They they like their low mm. kicks. Oh, oh, so he was a PFA guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was put on by Brad the Brick oh, Wall, yeah. so it was like I think they had like what like ten PFA guys okay, fighting. Yeah, card. yeah, that wasn't uh, what's his name's card. Yeah, Lee, Lee's card. No, okay. The other thing that I like, um, 
when it's your first fight, one of the best case scenarios is that it goes the distance and you feel like you're in a fight. So Chris went the decision, even though he lost a split decision, it was a close competitive fight. He got hit in the head, in the body, in the leg. He hit the guy in the head, the body, in the leg. Mm-hmm. He, he landed a bunch of different shit. They went back and forth. You feel that adrenaline rush. You feel the intensity of a fight and you still want to get back in there. Whereas if he went in there and let's say he just flatlined the guy in 30 seconds, you might have like almost an illusion or like a false sense of what fighting is. Mm -hmm. And I relate it to that guy that I worked at the casino the one time where he was just turned 18 or 19, whatever the legal age was there. He shows up at the casino, not supposed to, parents said not to, he had like $10, puts 10 bucks in a slot machine, he wins like $12,000. That guy has a false sense of what gambling is now. Mm And lo and behold, the parents that told him not to go were in there with him the next day. So now they think like, oh, it's that easy. Like we just need to bring $20 and we're going to win 10 grand. So it's like, and I know in my first fight, when I fought that guy, I steamrolled him in like a minute and a half. And I was like, I'm invincible. Second fight, not so invincible. I fought a tough guy and beat the shit out of me for 10 minutes. I went to the hospital covered in blood. Yeah. So I like you know, it can give you that false sense of what fighting is. So yeah. the fact that Chris had that experience and then still wants to get in there, it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. it was cool. Sure. One other thing, and then we can move on. Really funny. For one, it was cool that a lot of people were like walking up to Chris and giving him a fist bump, be like, "Man, great fight." Nice. The best thing was like, we're, we're just leaving the building, and it was a really nice venue. It was like at the college in in uh, Lethbridge, and we're leaving the building, and this old couple walks up to Chris, and they're like. Hey, can do you mind if we get a photo with you? You're my favorite wrestler. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! And it was just—it was such like a sweet, innocent moment. And I'm glad that Chris didn't correct them. He wasn't like, "It's not wrestling; it's kickboxing." Yeah. It's like just let the old lady get it. Just yeah. say it's wrestling. Yeah. So yeah, Chris is like, of course. And so like you know, they don't even know him. Yeah. They're just like, "You're my favorite wrestler," yeah. and like they must have just loved the fight and the intensity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was like, just like yeah. a sweet little moment. Sweet like, old lady. That's probably a high too after fights like that. Hey, like you have your first fight and then after people are like, hell yeah, man. Nice fight. That was awesome. For sure. You're a badass. You For know? sure. You're like, hell yeah. Yeah. It's that, that type of stuff. It goes a long way, man. It means a lot and it can, it can like almost make or break whether or not you get back in there sometimes yeah. too. Like just yeah. that little bit of encouragement, even if you lost, like I remember when I lost that second fight. People were coming up to me, same thing, being like, man, fight of the night. Like, holy shit, like you showed a lot of heart, you know? And I just was like, oh, really? Like I'm in La La Land, but I'm like, fuck, that feels kind of nice. Yeah, like I feel like a bad. piece of shit. But then when they came up to me and like shook my hand, I'm like, okay, like maybe that was kind of cool. Like I got I got the crowd emotional. I got everyone yelling and yeah. cheering. And I'm like, okay, like yeah. maybe it's not so bad just because I lost. At least I put on a show. It's kind of one of those things, hey, about you hear words or spells and you could lose a fight and be like, thinking these thoughts are in your head of like oh you know i'm not as good as i thought i was maybe this isn't for me and then you're leaving the venue and people are like oh you're tough man right you're a warrior man that was a good fight and then you leave and you take that in and you're like you know what like yeah maybe i am made for this yeah 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 and i think even uh Chris's older brother, Dustin, like I think that was his first experience, especially to be like, he was in our corner, like he was in the corner with us. So he gets to sit right by the cage and watch his young brother fucking go to war, you know? And like, I asked him after I'm like, so how do you feel? And like, I think he wants to get in there. Like he wants to get in there. He's a strong guy. I think he wants to possibly do MMA. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but he's he's built like a brick shit house, really? man. He could do it if he really trained and, yeah. and dialed in. But man, it's cool to see people come into their own. Like we talked about Lucas, you know, yeah. this little kid started training in our gym, and then he's out there, you know, competing in MMA and like finishing a guy. And yeah. you just get to see them, you know, get the glory. And someone like Chris, you know, like he's a paramedic, right? Yeah. And how long has he been training? Like three years at our gym. He he actually told me that he went to the old location for like one month, but okay. he did he didn't have his head of hair, and so okay. he's like, "You probably guys probably didn't even recognize me," yeah. which I, I don't remember him at the old gym, but yeah. apparently he came there. But yeah, I don't know, I, maybe four years even. He's yeah, had a blue belt. Yeah, like I don't know, yeah, three or four years, definitely before the pandemic. Yeah, probably four years. But you know, he's like lost a lot of weight too, and Bro. I remember seeing him one day like two months ago, and I was like, "Bro, whatever you're doing, keep it up, man." I don't yeah. know what you're eating, but like. I was watching old videos when he was like a yellow bell hitting yeah. pads with me, man. And just, he got some cheeks on him, you yeah. know, both ass and face cheeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like his shoulders were just cut and I'm like, man, yeah. good on you. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and, that, and like that, that fight was at 160. So I think he could easily make 155 for his next fight if he wanted to, as long as he sticks around that one, 170, 175 mark. Yeah. Yeah. You get out what you put into something, you know, some yeah. people, some people come to a, you know, MMA gym, they... And like, this is okay, you know, whatever, whatever you want to put into it is fine. But some people come and they train once a week, twice a week, and then they take a month off and they come back to, and you know, maybe they just drill. Yeah. But when you're somebody that comes and you get into the sparring, whether it's grappling or striking, you, you train regularly, you get into the sparring and you go through the discomfort, like the, the not so fun part of it, like getting exhausted and getting, you know, people throwing blows at you. Yeah. You put in that kind of stuff on a regular basis. Those are the people that lose insane amounts of weight, grow their character, like callous their toughness, yeah. become fighters, become confident. Reach you know? their goals. It's crazy, man. And like you put that in and you get you get a lot out of it. Yeah. Man, I've been thinking about this and yeah, you know, I was saying I was like filming my mindset Monday in the car. That's yeah. kind of what it's about, about making specific goals. And I think when you say like you get what you put in, I think a lot of people when they have a specific goal, they put more in because they're trying to reach a, a specific goal as opposed to just just training. I'm just going to do martial arts. When? How often? What's the goal? Yeah. Yellow belt, black belt, do you want to fight? Do you just want to lose weight? Do you just yeah. want to have fun? That's yeah. it, It's all good, whatever the goal is. Totally. But I think being specific with it, like that's one of the reasons I love having a very specific date to train for. Like use Chris, for example, he knew when his fight was, so he knew that I'm going to do like two a days all the way leading up to it until maybe two weeks out or a week out, then I'll yeah. dial it back. But then he knows like, okay, I got to eat this and this and this to recover. I got to try to sleep this much. I'm going to train this much. For me right now, it's marathon prep. So I was very specific with, I'm going to run a marathon a week, bro. If I didn't tell myself to run a marathon a week, there's no way I'm running a marathon a week. I would be running 15, maybe 20 kilometers a week. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Yeah. I would fall back on a little bit of laziness. And, and if I was like a little sore, a little tired, I'd be like, I'm not running today. Yeah. But when because I, why? Because there's why? no reason to. Yeah. It's, it's just a broad goal of yeah. I'm just going to run a lot this yeah. week. Not good enough. How far are you going to run? How often are you going to run? So when I say I'm running a marathon a week and lo and behold, like I, I think I was at like 35 kilometers on Thursday. I knew I wasn't going to run Friday cause I was driving up to Lethbridge and we were doing the weigh-ins. So then Saturday came around. I knew I needed another 10 or whatever. Yeah. 10 kilometers. No, it was like eight kilometers. Cause yeah, 42.5 kilometers. So yeah, I knew what I needed to run Saturday. So I got the job done. 
I wouldn't have ran Saturday if I was just like, I already ran 35 yeah. kilometers. I'm chilling. I don't need to run anymore. So you just did that in Lethbridge outside on the treadmill? On the treadmill okay. again. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I just think there's a lot of power in like being specific because yeah. totally. again, like on those days where I don't want to run, I just wouldn't fucking run. Yeah. But like when you have that concrete goal, your mind starts to tell your body to give you more and it just gives you more. It's like, no, just get to work. Yeah. Legs are sore. Don't care. Go to work. And you don't have to think about it. You don't even have the time to justify not doing it because you're like, it's just something I have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I saw that, um, I just sent you her, um, what is it? Always do your best. Is it like the public speaking page, Heather, okay. she made a post again, talking about like public speaking, but she was relating it to running and I'll kind of forget the message, but she was tying her shoes and she was like, basically saying like, I don't want to run today. She's like, I'll be honest. Like I'm, I'm told myself I was going to do 15 miles today. <laughs> that's a lot. I've yeah. never ran 15 miles in my life, yeah. but anyway, that's pretty much a Half think, marathon, right? It's like 24K or something? At least, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a long time <laughs> to run. But she's sitting there tying her shoes and saying how she doesn't want to run. But she's like, I gave myself a plan. I have very specific goals. So I run today. Yeah. Regardless of if my legs are sore, if I'm tired, if I'm yeah. feeling lazy, if I'm sad. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. It's time to show up. And she was like, just like public speaking. If you go on stage and you're feeling a little sad, a little tired, a little mopey, People paid money to see you, so get your shit together and follow the plan. Yeah. And I was like, respect. Yeah. You know, and so I, again, I just think being specific with your goals, putting on muscle, like I want it to be um, one, uh, 190 at the end of the year. That 190 mark is in my head now. And right now I'm waking up at like 188, 187. I'm not losing Damn. weight. Yeah, you, with all the running, with all Crazy. the calories I burn, I'm just like upping my calories, lifting heavy because, again, that goal is on my mind on top of running the marathon. Yeah. So I'm like trying to like juggle these two things, losing weight. Sometimes, and everyone's different, but like I feel like if you're just like, I'm just going to try to lose weight this year, like I would fail at that. But if I was like, I'm going to try to lose 10 pounds this year, then your brain starts to be like, okay, how, like let's, what do they call it? Reverse engineer, mm -hmm. you know? What am I going to eat? How often am I going to train? Blah, blah, blah. And it, you, you kind of, you know, impress it into your subconscious as well. Like if I sign up for a jujitsu tournament, it's like, okay, I have eight pounds to lose over the next six weeks. Subconsciously, I'm kind of like thinking about things like getting in a little bit of extra cardio this week, eating a little bit less calories. And like, it's almost like once you set that clear goal, your autonomic nervous system or your subconscious starts like doing some math in the back yeah. in the back of your head yeah and it's just like okay you know this is what we have to do you know yeah man 100 yeah. percent um another cool thing that i'm learning so this is kind of funny so i ran saturday just on the treadmill while i think the guys were like eating the continental breakfast i was like i'm gonna get a coffee so i went to starbucks and i got a coffee and i asked for an extra espresso and so like i'm i've been tracking quite a bit of my runs my whoop strap has them all and mm -hmm. so like 99% of the time when I run, whether it's for an hour, like a 10 kilometer run, I, I did 15 kilometer run the other day and it was at uh, six miles per hour. At six miles per hour, no matter how far I run, I don't touch zone four. I'm in zone three as far as heart rate goes. So I'm not working that hard. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm trying to, I was trying to do this week was just like keep the pace nice and light yeah. and don't go into zone four and five. So Saturday rolls around. I only have eight kilometers to do this. It's not even an hour of running. So I'm going to run for like 50 minutes. I set it at the usual pace. Mm -hmm. I start running 
and I can, I can, I can feel that my heart is beating a little too fast yeah. and I'm looking at the whoop strap cause it shows live heart rate and I'm watching it just start to elevate more and more. And I'm like, all right, I'm already at 140, and I'm like 15 minutes in. Like normally I don't hit 140 beats per minute till like 50 minutes in mm-hmm. and I'm, it's 10 or 15 minutes in and I'm like, Oh, the coffee done jacked up my heart rate. Damn, hey. So it's something to like take note of where it's like, if I'm going to do this marathon, like maybe don't slam a bunch of coffee right before, because mm. like, I think in my mind, the goal is to keep your heart rate as low as possible. <laughs> like, I don't want to be spiked through the roof where I'm like working extra hard, yeah. requiring a bunch of like oxygen to, to go through my body. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, bad idea. Maybe don't have three espressos yeah. before I run. Yeah. What do, what do you normally do? Like, are you conscious of how you breathe when you run? Like yeah. you breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, or what do you do? If I have clear nasal, nasal passage, like sometimes it just like, I feel like a little stuffed. So yeah. then I'm like, it's mouth breathing today. Yeah. Like I, I just can't, I can't breathe. Yeah, I'm getting snotting everywhere yeah. and shit. Yeah. So yeah, if I have a clear nasal passage, I do my best to do the whole run through in and out the nose okay both okay and i did i've done it before it gets hard man yeah like Like i almost start panicking because of that um carbon carbon dioxide yeah like it's like it's it's easier to like you can breathe through your your nose and exhale through your mouth and that's tougher than mouth breathing but like it's manageable right but when you try to exhale through your nose too you almost start like panicking yeah, but at, at six miles per hour, like I feel like I could do it as long as yeah. my nose is good. Okay. Then I could run ten kilometers just nose breathing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah good, if man. I push it, then it's like there's yeah. no way I'm, I'm yeah. mouth breathing all day long. That's good. Yeah, but I, I focus on it. Yeah, I just try to like have good controlled like deep breaths. I don't want to hyperventilate and have short breaths. Yeah. So whether it's mouth or nose, I'm trying to like take big inhales and big exhales and just be in control. Yeah. 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 That's why I think swimming is such good cardio. Like. Just something I never do more, but I always think it would be so good to do. Yeah. Because you have to control your breathing, you know? I could see myself doing like a triathlon one year. Yeah. And getting into swimming and like just yeah. trying that for one of my misogies. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that affects heart rate is, which is crazy, like especially resting heart rate, I try to like pay attention to that. Anytime I sleep like shit, resting heart rate jumps up like crazy. So that means when I go to do a run, my heart rate's already elevated, which means once I start running, it's going to get bumped up again. And so drinking, you know, after Chris's fight, we went to the, uh, went to a pub. I had two drinks. Um, and then I went to bed at like midnight. So a little later and I had two drinks than what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. I woke up the next day at like, um, 16% recovery. So I was well in the red and my resting heart rate jumped to 67. It's normally at like 50. Yeah. Like somewhere around there. Yeah. And it just was 67 all day. Damn. So like just that, the little bit of like shitty sleep and some drinks, your, your body's just working a little too hard yeah. for nothing. Crazy, man. That's yeah. um, tracking it on something like that whoop strap. That would almost make it easier to be like, okay, I'm not drinking anymore. Yeah. Because you, you, you just see the tangible result. You're like, fuck. Yeah. You see the difference it makes, right? For sure, man. And like there's certain times where like I'll, I'll justify it you know like like chris's fight i just was like i'm gonna have two drinks i don't give a shit man this is a big moment for him it was exciting like and sure i could have just not drank and like that's fine but i was like i wanted a gin and vodka those are the funnest times to drink gin and vodka (laughs) just a gang can you just pour some gin in my vodka no uh vodka cranberry okay yeah i meant to say yeah um, so yeah, and then like, you know, uh, Aaron and I are going to Dominican this Wednesday. Yeah. We're leaving and I'm going to have some drinks. I'm still going to so run. So like two days from now? Yeah. 
Oh, we leave in like 48 hours. Yeah, bro. Damn, son. We leave Wednesday morning. Yeah, Yeah, like fucking 8 a.m. or something. Crazy. It's wild. Um, But yeah, Yeah. like that times like that, I'm drinking. Like, fuck this whoop strap. Fuck my heart rate. Like, resting heart rate. I'll still get it in. Yeah. I'll still run. I'll still get my marathon in a week. And it's funny you say that because I had these Remax Awards on Thursday last week. And I had grass, by the way, four awards. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I always hate doing that shit, like going up on stage and taking your picture. Like, I'm just such an introvert. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, fuck, you know, been doing this shit for 11 years now. And it's yeah. cool to, like, I used to see some of these people get these awards and be like, man, like, I'll never make that much, right. you know? And then, and then you're, as the generations go, you're kind of the guy up in that top group. And it's like, damn, yeah. it's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool, man. You know what? I was thinking about, like, Chris's fight, and, you know, I talked about how it's, having that experience is similar to like a, someone that goes to the casino and wins right away. I almost thought of like real estate as well. Mm-hmm. Like having someone just get their license and get into real estate when the economy's booming and things are selling exactly. and it's super easy, you almost get a false sense of what selling houses is like. Yeah. Cause you haven't been through like a tough time. So you're like, man, real estate's easy. You're like, you know, when you're selling cars and things are yeah. just moving, all of a sudden you hit a bad economy and you're like, what the fuck? you face a big like a tough opponent you're like what like this wasn't my first experience and it can really like yeah it's the same same thing so it's kind of nice that you've you've been in the game long enough to have a little bit of those ups and downs where you're like man the market is slow right now yeah and you kind of learn to expect it and you just know that that up and down is normal exactly anybody who got their realtor license in late 2020 2021 or the first half of last year 2022 yeah you're getting a wake-up call right now yeah you know it's a little slow right now or what it for everyone but you, you fuck. No, do you know what, man? I've actually had a discouraging start to the year because I've had th- everything's been falling apart. Like I've had opportunities, but I've never had so many deals fall. Like last month, just bad luck. Like I put a deal together, and then the buyer gets kind of flaky, and mm-hmm. they're just like, "Ah, maybe we don't want us buy for another few years. Like, can right. can we back out of this deal? It happened to me three weeks in a row last month. Damn. And um, I just put a deal together on a new listing over the weekend and I'm starting to get flaky vibes again. Oh, no. And that's the most discouraging. Yeah. But that's why it's like, you just don't count sales in your bag until the, the money's the in the bank, bank yeah. because like everything happens on the X hour and it falls apart. But um, hmm. yeah, it's it's good, man. Yeah, seen your dad there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him. His, his his smile seemed very genuine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, can we uh, dive into one thing and then totally. I'm and then I'm done my list. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. mine out of the way. Yeah. Um, so we got a, a a message from someone after doing a podcast where we were talking about. We were talking about like parenting and stuff and obviously Ryan and I, neither of us are parents. We don't have kids. And so sometimes when we talk about it, it's just kind of like what we think it might be like. And um, somebody just said, who listens to the podcast regularly and they just said like, they felt like we were sometimes romanticizing what parenthood might be like. And totally like maybe so, but I just, I was thinking about that. And since I'm like reading a lot more about Cameron Haynes and I just really like what he's been able to do and what he's accomplished, I thought about like, his style of parenting because what the person said that sent us that message they were like because i said cameron haynes was like what what made you be such a savage like what made you want to run these hundred mile races and be such a like good hunter and just excel in so many areas of your life and it was because he had kids and he said to the interviewer was like i don't want to be a loser dad and this guy messaged us saying like your kids don't care about that shit. They just care that if you're present with them and if you're there for them. And I think he's totally right. 
But my one thing that I was thinking about was like, I'm not very good at bonding with people outside of physical motion and like exercise. Like I find there's a lot of like positive endorphins after a workout. And that's usually when people like really connect and can have a strong bond. And so when I think of like Cameron Haynes, when he says he doesn't want to be a loser dad, he wants to run these hundred mile races and he wants to do all these pull-ups and he wants to work out all the time and be this savage for his kids. And he wants to kind of lead by example. Now, when his kids are a little bit older, they're doing these marathons, they're doing hundred mile races, they're doing bow hunting, they're doing all these crazy physical challenges with their dad. So then you could imagine afterwards the bonding that they have where they're sitting down having some elk meat and a glass of wine and they're talking because they got these positive endorphins, they're connecting through a, a similar goal. And I'm like, to me, like, I don't know how else to like connect with certain people. Like maybe it's go for a run. Maybe it's working out at the gym, like pushing some weight. Maybe it's a pad round where after you're sitting there, you're like, man, like that was awesome. And then you start to open up and talk. And so like, to me, they like to be there for them and be present for them. Like I might not be that good at doing that, but I could be good at doing that if it was through a similar goal together. You go run a marathon together, go like you and I, even when we like do little runs that one summer, we were running like a little bit more often together. You fucking have like good talks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sometimes I'm like leading by example that way. And it might not work out that way. Like your kids might be like, you can fucking run all you want. I'm not doing that shit. (laughs) So be it. So be it. But like in my mind, I'm just like, I don't know how else to connect sometimes. Like for me, it's like I, all I understand is physical exertion. Like I just want to push and push. And then that's how I can like connect better. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that when I am a parent, I could maybe do something like that and just have my kids like kind of look at me being like, fuck, that's some badass shit. I want to try that. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, try this. Mm. Like, let's fucking connect. Yeah. Let's bond through this hard work. Yeah. Let's hit the bag for an hour and then I'll talk to you and just, like <laughs> tell you some lessons <laughs> in life. You know? I'll only give you a bedtime story if you hit the bag for an hour. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I think there's, and again, yeah, I feel so out of my place talking about, you know, parenthood, but um, there's got to be a balance too. You know, it's like, Obviously, they won't appreciate it if you're always out running, doing this stuff, and you're just never around. Right. But if you can be around as much as you need to be and actually be there for all the important moments and spend a lot of time with your kids and do that, I think that's obviously the best case scenario. Yeah. But um, I also think, too, like when you're young, my, my dad wasn't around a lot because he drove truck, he drove semi, and he... He would basically go to bed at, you know, 6 p.m. and get up at midnight or 2 in the morning and drive all night. And he wasn't around for hockey lots, you know, the the sports we played. He just wasn't around as much. And um, when you're young, you know, you might think like, oh, dad's not around. But then when you're older, you start to like realize and appreciate why he wasn't around. Right. And like how much he sacrificed. Yeah. So maybe in the short run, you know, kids might be like, dad's never around, you know, he doesn't care. And then in the long run, you're like, man that guy's got some work ethic yeah. and he sacrificed a lot for us and yeah. uh, you start to appreciate it, you know? Right. And, and let's be honest. I feel like half the time your kids don't want you around anyway. <laughs> there's a certain age where your Comes kids, phases, hey? they get annoyed of you. Yeah. Like it's a, there's a, like, at least for that rebellious, rebellious stage where they're kind of like, bitch, like I don't want you around. Yeah. Like you're making, you're embarrassing me or something. Yeah. It's funny how you go through that stage. Like when you're a teenager, probably from, you know, grade eight to grade 12, the most important thing in your life is your friends and your social, yeah. you know, circle. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's like you don't want parents in your business. All you want to do is spend time with friends right. and like shoot the shit and get yeah. into trouble. It's funny, eh? Man, you know, it's funny. So like as we're talking, you're talking about your dad being gone all the time, like like dri- ride, driving truck. Right. Cameron Haynes talked about that too. So his dad was like never around. He had a lot of alcohol issues. Apparently he was a savage though. Like apparently Cameron Haynes' dad was like a known athlete. He had a bunch of like high school and college um, records and stuff like that. But Cameron Haynes said the fact that his dad was never around and yet he accomplished so much, like Cameron Haynes' dad accomplished so much, it almost created this like superhero aura about his dad. Interesting. Where he said that if my dad was around more and I got to see the humanness of him, he's like, I don't think I would have put him on on a pedestal so much and I don't think I would have strived for greatness because he's like, in my mind, I created this superhero image of my dad like people would say oh your dad could run forever he was such a good sprinter his legs were like steel so he's like i literally pictured my dad's legs being like steel and so i was doing squats early so i was like if my dad's got steel legs i need steel <laughs> legs my dad can run far i need to run far but he's like if he was around he's like i might have just saw like a drunken fucking dad who just was like some normal guy and then i wouldn't have strived so much that's an interesting thing, hey? Yeah. Because, like, you think Andrew Tate's dad, he was, like, a genius, like... Um, chess player. Ch- chess player. He was, like, a grandmaster, and he had a lot of other accomplishments. Big kind of alpha dude. The Rock, his dad was, like, more jacked than he is. Uh-huh. And you think about some of these examples. David Goggins, was his dad, like, a savage, or...? Uh, his dad was a real piece of shit. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. He, yeah. he was around too much <laughs> yeah, and beat yeah. the fuck out of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah never mind. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like... he did. Yeah, he did it for different reasons. He did it out of hatred for his dad and just, like, yeah. survival. If your parent is this, you know, super person, it almost normalizes it for you that you could do special things. Right. Because it's like, hey, it's in my blood. My dad is this accomplished in these different arenas. Right. It becomes normal, you know? But, yeah, if you, if you come up with, um, I guess, just not very motivated parents... Um, who don't do anything and accomplish yeah. anything. Maybe it's like, that's another kind of a person. I don't have that in me. Right. I can't do a, you know, run a fortune 500 company. I can't fight in the UFC. I can't, you know, be a doctor right. because like, it's not in my cards. It's just yeah. not in my cards. I'm just, I'm too normal for that. Yeah. But then, yeah, people break through that too, you know? Right. So it's just interesting. Like, that's why like, uh, man, like I, I couldn't have asked for a better stack of books to start the year off. Like I've told a few people now, I might even said it on here, but like, there's no way I'm running. I never thought about running a marathon ever in my life. Yeah. I just started this year. I read David Goggins book. Then I read his second book and then I read Cameron Haynes's book. And like, I don't come from a family of runners, but here I am. Like I'm starting to fucking love running, man. I might just become a runner, like on top of what I'm doing already. Yeah. But it's like you, you get this, you're reading these stories and then your brain gets to like go on this adventure and you picture yourself doing it. And then you hear that Goggins had a bunch of health problems. He was fat. He was lazy. He was sucked at school. He's not like a super crazy athlete. He just worked his ass off. Cameron Haynes is no different. He's not a freak athlete. He's not, he was like kind of like a little guy in high school. Like he didn't like, he wasn't that big of a specimen and yet these guys are just accomplishing great things because they just believe that they could Mm. you know and so like you read a book and it's like sure my let's say your family isn't like these crazy ultra runners they didn't (laughs) fight in the ufc then you read a story about a person who is normal that became great Mm. and you're like oh like i thought you had to be born that way Mm -hmm. and you're like 
I can just work towards something and like be great in my own way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. Do you know for sure if you want to be a dad one day? I know we've kind of talked about it before. It, it always scares me, man. Like it always like the idea of it freaks me out, but I like, I've, I feel like I want to, like, I, I don't know, man. I, yeah, part of me, like it, it scares the shit out of me, but it also really scares me to be like 80 or 90 and just have no kids and like nobody to pass anything down to. Like, I think yeah. that's what I, that's what I view as like a fun thing to do. Like I want to experience so much and I want to eat shit and fail and then succeed and just keep repeating that over. So I get all these lessons. So when I do have a little minion under me, I can be like, Hey, I've been there before. Like yeah. try to avoid this roadblock, yeah. Yeah. you know, so you don't go face first. Like I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with me, man. It's like, I, I, I like to say that I do. And, and I agree with you. It's more for the long term of, I think it'll be better down the road to have made that decision to have kids. But then yeah, some days too, I'm like, do I really want this? Yeah. Like I just, I have no time as it is and like I want to do all these things and I'm like, man, imagine having this child to take care of, like how much things would change and sometimes the whole idea of it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it makes me question if I want it. Yeah. But it's, um, I don't know, man, that's one of my main issues is I can be so indecisive and I hate that trait, but it's just how I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a terrible trait to just not know what you want. And I feel like in a lot of senses, I do know what I want, but there's certain big decisions and certain things that I just, I'm always on the fence about and I go back and forth and I think I want something and then I question it. Yeah. It's tricky. Well, man, like I, Aaron and I were laughing yesterday because we were like walking the dogs and you know, she was like, oh, I just, I can't wait to be like in Dominican. Like this would be so fun. Nice to relax. (laughs) Like we, you know, we don't have to, like you don't have to wake up super early. I don't have to do this and that. We're just kind of talking about like chilling and just doing what we want. And then I was like, and we don't have the dogs. She's like, we don't have the dogs. And like, I feel like parents are probably like that. We're like, after five years of raising those kids, you're probably like, you guys, you need a babysitter to get the fuck out of this house. Just give me some breathing room. Like, I feel like the dogs, especially the ones that we have, where they're a little more aggressive, it's a little tough to dish them off to just some random people. It's a lot of stress, man. Like it, it really, like having yeah. Layla for 11 years, bro, like people have no idea how big of a handful she's yeah. been. Like it's, it's a tough task to have yeah, a dog man. that like it will kill other dogs and bite, maybe bite kids. Like I'm just always having to watch her and take care of her tame the beast, tame man. the beast. And so like to be able to go somewhere without <laughs> him, I'm just like, Oh, and I just feel like having kids is that on steroids. Yeah. Do you know what, from what I see happens is it's like just from some people I know, obviously this is a massive generalization, but it's like that. It's like, okay, we just need a, you know, a a spouse trip, like leave the kids at grandma and grandpa. Let's get away from here, get away from the chaos, just us on the beach. And then after like two or three days, they're like, I miss our kids. Like I can't wait to get home with my kids. Like, fuck, like I don't even want to be here anymore. You know, it's always that thing where, but you still need that. Even just that little bit where you actually appreciate the kids again. Cause I bet there's some parents who are like, I just want to strangle these little shits. Like, and that's okay. I feel like that's normal. I feel like a lot of parents are like, just kind of like, they openly talk about that. It's like, look, having kids isn't all like, Oh, sweetie pie. It's sometimes it's like sweetie pie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you little shit. Yeah. I just feel like I need a lot of help. Like yeah. I can't be like a full-time dad at home and be working and like give up. Like I, I can't give up martial arts. I can't right. give up my work. I just need like, you know, that's the, that's the thing about, you know, having a, uh, 
South American woman, you know, bring the family down. They could take care of the kid. It takes a village, you know? man. Like, like that's help out, you know, that's like, it takes, <laughs> yeah, it takes a village to raise a person, yeah. you know? And I feel like we, like in North America, we kind of like almost got away from that, especially yeah. with how expensive things are. Like when both parents have to have full-time jobs and like hustle and grind to yeah. like, and again, like some people are well off and maybe one person just makes good money and that's cool. But for most people to just live in a basic home on your own, both people need to be working. Yeah. So now it's like, where's your village at? Like you need to start asking mom and pops. Maybe they're like, they're old and tired or maybe they're still working. Like you need daycare, you got teachers, you got all these people like trying to help out. But man, I feel like it does take a village to, to raise a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A proper one anyway. Yeah. Daycare is expensive too from what I see. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. 50? 40. 47. Um, just, just last lastly finishing off on the fight talk so you were um so maybe breaking your hand or not breaking your hand but that might it could have been a blessing in disguise then hey getting you into the running yeah like think yeah. about how shitty that was when it happened yeah but like man you probably wouldn't have got into running if that didn't happen i don't think so isn't that funny yeah it's so interesting the, the stoic philosophy of nothing is good or bad yeah. it just is it's how right. you perceive it and you can look at that as the worst day or you can be like, yeah. it's just a thing. It's a neutral thing that happened. I injured my hand. Yeah. Now where do I take this? Yeah. Turn it into something positive. Yeah. And I feel like I've been just as dialed in with the marathon prep as yeah. I would be with like a fight camp. Yeah. Like I've, I've just been obsessing over it, man. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm tracking heart rate. I'm like making sure I'm getting my calories yeah. in. Like I'm stretching more. Yeah. I'm having cold baths more. I'm doing hot baths before bed so I can sleep a little better. Mm. Like I'm doing so much more like it is a fight camp, but yeah. for a marathon. Cause it still like, bro, I'll be honest. It freaks me out to run a marathon. Yeah. Like I, it's not like I'm just, I'm like going into this with an easy mindset of like, oh, I'm going to knock this out of the park. I'm like kind of freaked out, yeah. especially because it's not just finishing a marathon. I want to do a good time. Like I yeah. want to go like under four hours in my head, three and a half hours, but I know that's a big ask. Mm -hmm. So it, it puts a lot of pressure on me just yeah. like a fight does, yeah. but I, I love it, man. I, I genuinely feel like I'm happier in life when I have specific goals. I don't like drifting and it's, it's a good reminder that when I don't have a fight camp, have something, whether that's a marathon, a fight, um, helping someone else prepare for a fight maybe putting on some muscle, maybe trying to do 20 pull-ups, like trying to up my, like yeah. something that's like kind of a big task. Specific goal that's a little scary too. Exactly. You need that. Right? I, I, I need that. Yeah. I, I remember I follow this page on Instagram. It's kind of like masculine something, something, but it was like men fall in depression when you do not have a concrete goal in mind. Mm -hmm. We are not meant to be drifters. You need specific goals to chase. And once you reach that goal, you better get another one. And some people might think, oh, well, then you're only happy if you accomplish something. It's not the accomplishing. It's the journey to get there and try to work towards it. Even if I fail at this marathon, it's all good. It's the journey and the, the mental and physical push that I'm trying to get there. Like if I don't hit my target market, it's all good. I'm just, I'll try again. Yeah. It's not the failing that I'm scared of. I just, I need something that's very concrete to put me on a path that gives me like more purpose and more meaning. Remember a while ago you said you have, you want to feel more. Yeah. I guess that's a sure way to make you feel more. Hey, yeah. Is because that was before you fought Cody. So yeah. you have this, maybe it was just, maybe it was just 
too long of a time for you where you hadn't set a scary goal. Right. Because like you felt a lot with the whole Cody Jerome fight experience. Yeah. Now you're probably feeling the anxiety and the anticipation of this marathon you're doing. Yeah. And it's like, I got shit to do. Yeah. I want to know what you think about this quote because I heard this and I, okay. it might be a controversial quote, but it came from 50 Cent and I want to know what you think about it. Young Fitty. Being depressed is a luxury. And this is, this is more targeted when he said this towards, towards men. Being depressed is a luxury. Mm. And I think what he meant by that is you shouldn't have that amount of time. It just means that you're not being productive enough. It means you're not, you don't have enough purpose. You're not working towards stuff. And if you are living a purposeful life with goals and you're being productive and you're making things happen and you're taking care of people, you don't have time to be depressed. And again, this might be a triggering topic because I know you could label depression as more of like a mental ailment or something that it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter how busy. chemical imbalance. Exactly. It yeah. doesn't matter how busy I am. I have a chemical imbalance that you 50 cent don't understand. And that's a, Hey, that, that might be true, but it's just an interesting perspective because that might be the case. But I think there are a lot of people depressed out there because they are like your term drifters. Maybe they just, they don't know where to aim. They don't have a goal. They don't know what they want. They're not being productive. And then you have this time to mull. And you just feel like, like, what is, right. what am I doing? Like, why am I even here? This life is dumb. I'm depressed. You know, when I think of depression for myself, I think of like hopelessness, like there's no hope for a better future. Yeah. And usually when I feel depressed and I feel hopeless, it's because I don't have a specific goal in mind. So I drift. I just, I'm like, is this what I'm doing? I'm just kind of working this job and then I'm doing this and doing that. Like yeah. there's nothing that I'm like laser focused on. Yeah. And when I picture like, north america or like western countries i think that i at least I don't, maybe i don't think but i would i would bet that we have far more depression than a lot of countries that are way worse off than us i think if you looked at like a lot of third world countries like i wonder they struggle more than us but are they more depressed than us see i wouldn't think so people living in the congo living in huts I wouldn't feel like they're depressed. Again, that's a I funny statement. I wouldn't feel like they're depressed. I know. And that's but what I have. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine they're depressed. I wonder. Like, yeah, I feel like it would just be more of like, yeah, harsh realities and struggles. But I don't know if they're just sitting there moping around feeling sorry for themselves and being depressed. I think that happens when you maybe have a lousy job and you're just not trying for anything. And, and again, from my experience... As soon as I don't have a specific goal to reach for, a shiny thing that I can latch my focus onto, I start to drift, I start to get depressed because I feel hopeless. What, what am I doing here? And that's that feeling of you, you, you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning because right. you're like, for what? Like another day? Yeah. Like I just want to lay here. But when you're on a mission in life, a mission, you're like, I got shit to do. Yeah. I got to get up. Yeah. You know? I like that term mission. Like for one, I like video games and I always feel like it's, like, you know, you got the next mission, you yeah. know, you got to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And like that Masogi thing, like, that's why I love that. It, it's kind of like once a year, just do something so scary and so intense that you'll never forget it. And that gives you at least some kind of mission. So if you have a shitty job, that's especially when you need a mission or something to do on the outside. Mm -hmm. Like when I was, you know, selling cars or pouring concrete, those days where I just didn't have a thing to look forward to after work, well, then there's nothing to look forward to after work. And yeah. it's just, you just repeat that over and over again. Yeah. You just work and what, go to the gym yeah. for what? 
like what's what's the goal to go to the gym for you're just yeah. kind of doing it and it's like that's not good enough for me i i need concrete things yeah and i don't even know i haven't i haven't sat on that enough to 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 say whether i agree with that or not yeah being depressed is a luxury i feel like you can agree with things and not at the same time yeah i i can i can yeah i can that, that's how i feel about it yeah. I, I agree with it without a full spectrum of understanding it because even like in a different time period, let's say the 1950s, it's just more of a struggle to live. And I, I would imagine people, there wasn't as many people depressed. I feel like it's that whole, um, you know, hard times create strong men, strong yeah. men create good times, good times create weak men. I feel like we're in a time right now where we have so much that there's just nothing to really struggle for. So that's why a lot of men and, and women alike are feeling depressed because yeah. there's just we have everything like i'm not gonna go starving today i have clean water like the build, you know and people are just like what else what else yeah. is there but you didn't have that luxury before right you're like i have to i have to work i don't have a choice yeah i have to support people i don't have a choice yeah it's yeah. interesting it is man i think even like in relationships a lot of people get depressed because they feel like they're the opposite sex or whoever they're attracted to is like a buffet you just go on Instagram or like um, the, all the dating apps and it's just like there's almost too much. Too much stimulation. Yeah, and then you almost get depressed in your own relationship because you're like, I could just have whatever I want or maybe this one's better, maybe that one's better. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, we kind of talked about it last episode maybe, but this guy said how how so many men are very like visual and he's like so many guys are thinking about another girl like – sexually because we're like it's like a ferrari driving by you're like oh that's nice some people want to act on that all the time and those are usually the people that don't have a meaningful relationship which can fall into depression the guys that see that nice ferrari go by oh that's nice but they know that they're they're grounded and that they're just going to be loyal to their partner that shows a level of discipline and focus and even if they see the nice car drive by or the girl they're like nice but like i'm good over here and that strong decision of discipline almost helps enhance the man's like um i don't know like purpose or drive and you almost like lessen your likelihood of being depressed because you're like no i'm making a choice i'm gonna stand my ground like this is my thing that i'm working towards i'm building a meaningful relationship i don't need to go over there it the grass ain't greener it almost reinforces your character yeah and it reminds you like no i'm a man of virtue i'm a man of integrity yeah i know what i want i'm loyal yeah and that's it yeah um and you think about it like the divorce rate now is crazy and um you think back in the day like i'm just thinking to when my parents were young before the internet you just you're lucky to find somebody in the small town you grew up in and you better hook up with them and you better not let go. And these people are just, you know, um, loyal and they're just dedicated to each other. And they're like, we're in it for the long haul because right. there ain't nobody else. Yeah. And like we got each other, babe. But now it's just like, yeah, Instagram. It's like, yeah. we think we can have everything. We're in this instant gratification culture where we're in this flaky culture. And it's like things back in the day just seemed from my perspective, just seemed like more of a struggle, more character building yeah. type things. I don't know. You know, it's interesting though. I did hear on uh, the Modern Wisdom pod podcast, he had a, um, Chris Williamson, he had like a sex expert on there. And the person said that um, like right now, men are having the least amount of sex that they've ever had before. Depression's through the roof. 
So a lot of men, and I think he said women too, like if you look at the spectrum of like 10 years ago, like both men and women were having much more sex. Now he's like, it's like 60% of men aren't even having sex because they're staying at home. They're watching only fans. They're watching porn. They're jerking off. They're like emptying their balls and they have no need to go like build a meaningful relationship. Like there was one guy that had a relationship with like a, like a, um, virtual reality female or like this yeah and when when they they change something to do with the the robotic girl that he had this relationship with and the guy was like crying he was like heartbroken he's like why the fuck did you room like that was my girlfriend and they're like no bro that's ai that's not a person yeah, yeah. you can't do like yeah go outside yeah that's messed up so yeah it's just like yeah it's kind of wild man yeah that's just it's a scary thought yeah um Okay, off of that one last thing and then we'll wrap it up. Are yeah. we almost there time-wise? Yeah. Yeah. So I watched the UFC fights this weekend. This guy, what's his name? Uh, Muhammad Mokwev, however you say his name. There's too many of these guys nowadays. Yeah. He got caught in the most clean, in the cleanest knee bar ever. I saw that. And he wouldn't tap yeah. and his leg is bent backwards. That. And he ended up eventually getting out because the guy's like, fuck, I pretty much ripped this guy's leg off. And then he went and finished and tapped the other guy out. Yeah. And even though it's kind of this heroic story of, oh, he got out of the adversity and he went and finished the other guy, I was shaking my head the whole time like, it is not worth the win. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is that worth the win? That, and that's, I don't know, because like it depends how bad his knee is, right? It looked like by the looks of it, he needs surgery now. And, and like, if, is he out for a year? I think so. I would think so. That's what I mean. And so, and like, is that knee in jeopardy now? See, like... You have to appreciate that's how you win the war or that's how you win the battle. Right. You have to appreciate like he's not looking for a way out. He's winning by any means yeah. necessary. And he, he went there to win period, like bulletproof mindset. He won the battle, but like winning the war, you're this 23 year old coming up. You might be out for a year. You might've been able to fight three more times in that time. Um, here's, here's my thing. If you want to be a warrior like that, Go to sleep. If you're if you're caught in a rear naked choke, a guillotine, a darce choke, triangle choke, right. and you don't want to tap, go to sleep. Live to fight another day. But a joint lock, like a Kimura armbar, especially a knee bar. Yeah, especially a knee you bar. Gotta, you got You got caught. This is MMA. You got caught. You got to tap and fight another day. I was like, I was like, man, this guy, like, it kind of pissed me off because I was like, that's so unintelligent of you to tough that out. I know it's a tough call because yeah, it's like he because he did that. He probably gained more stardom, which means he's going to get paid more for his next fight. But maybe his next fight doesn't go the same way because you're coming off knee surgery, you're hesitant, your knee's in jeopardy. What if somebody starts low kicking you or does the oblique kick to your knee now? He might never be the same. Exactly. I hope he comes back stronger and it's a six-month thing. Yeah. I was like, man, these guys are too tough. Some of these guys out there are too tough for their own good. It's like, well, GSP is a perfect example of that. So he, when he fought Matt Serra the first time and Matt Serra pummeled him, he was like rocked and kind of scattered all over the <laughs> octagon. Yeah. When he fell to his back, GSP actually tapped. So he was tapping the mat being like, stop that. the fight because he's like, I know I'm about to go out. I don't need to get flatlined. I'm not trying to get knocked out here. I know the fight's over. I'm done. I'm going to tap. Yeah. So the ref stepped in, saved himself for the next match, fought him again beat the shit out of Matt Sarah. Yeah. But if he, imagine if he would have got flatlined, if he didn't tap and he just got literally KO'd snoring on the canvas. Now, like maybe you got brain damage. Maybe you're a little gun shy. You're scared to get knocked out. 
but because he tapped, he saved himself for, he lost the battle, but not the, or no, lost the war, but not the battle. Lost, lost the battle, the battle won, won the war. war. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Didn't, didn't he, wasn't that an arm bar that Matt Serra caught him in their first fight? And he, he tapped like early? No, Matt Serra rocked GSP. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking Matt Hughes. I'm thinking oh. Matt Hughes. Oh, okay. yes, exactly. Perfect yeah. example. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah, episode one or two. Oh, and we might miss next week. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know how we're gonna be because like, yeah. two, tomorrow is a busy day for me. I yeah. leave Wednesday morning, yeah, me so too. we'll see. Yeah, um, this one's gonna come out a little bit later today, but um, yeah. if we miss one week, we'll we'll be back. It is what it is. Yeah. Thanks so, for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>